1: This is Teddy Troy. Welcome to New Books in Public Policy, a new podcast from the New Books Network. This week, we're going to discuss tabloid medicine, how the Internet is being used to hijack medical science for fear and profit. It's by Bob Goldberg, a smart, interesting, and funny guy. And right now, here is the interview. We're here today with Bob Goldberg, or should I say more formally, Robert Goldberg, Ph.D., the author of the new and brilliant book, Tabloid Medicine, How the Internet is Being Used to Hijack Medical Science for Fear and Profit. I have read the book, and it is a fascinating and interesting read. It's worth everybody picking up. It's by Kaplan Publishing, and it really talks about some of the issues that we face in modern medicine today when you have an Internet that gives everybody access to equal information, but some information proliferates and gets, make, makes headlines a little more easily. So with that, I'm going to open things up and have Bob join us on the call, and we'll have a conversation about his new book, Tabloid Medicine.
0: Thanks for having nice me, coming Bobby, on, Bob. thanks for reading the book.
1: Well, well, I couldn't put it down once I started. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what led you to write the book? And uh, I know you talked a little bit about how uh, your daughter was uh, part of your thinking sure. process can you talk uh, about that. There one, were please?
0: two things that uh, prompted me to write the book. First, uh, I had seen the effect of the unfettered you know, dissemination of uh, unscientific information on the inf- uh, internet uh, in my daughter's uh, care. She had read, in fact, it's just not even just one medicine that she took. There were other, every time she goes on the Internet, uh, my daughter will come running to me with something saying, well, this causes uh, brain tumors, this causes drug, you know, blood clots. And in that one particular case in the beginning of my book, uh, she really needed to take a medicine that would allow her to stabilize her condition and uh, essentially, you know, go on to um, to, to live. And uh, I found that it just wasn't the uh, casual or chance encounter of of information that uh, over-dramatized the risks of medicine, but rather that there was a systematic uh, effort on the part of people or movements that wanted to, uh, as I say in my book, hijack medical science for their own agenda or for because of their own cultural biases against um, medical medical technology, and that as a result the um, traditional approach to science, which is sort of uh, is more you know, somewhat collegial and um, you know based upon proving and reproving uh, hypotheses being, uh, you know, uh, crowded out by these voices and having a direct impact, not only on the welfare of someone like my daughter, but millions of uh, millions of
1: people. All right. The systematic effort is uh, an interesting thing, by certain people. So you're a little vague on that, so I'd love to hear who sure. are the people behind the systematic effort. But I'd also like you to go a little broader and just start start by saying. What the book's about, and then who are these people? Well, the,
0: the book is really about how the uh, the, the public health has been compromised and harmed by, uh, you know, uh, by crusaders or uh, whether they're anti-vaccine uh, activists, um, whether they're public citizen, um, whether they're just individual scientists that want to make a name for themselves, you know, using... The overstatement of the dramatization of severe uh, dangers, you know, that we're all going to be exposed to radiation, run out and buy the iodine kind of thing um, if we don't listen to them. And how they've been able to uh, redefine the conversation about risks and benefits with medicine. They would argue that they're trying to uh, improve and keep the public health uh, by making everything safe. But what I show in the book is that uh, whether it's vaccines or antidepressants, diabetes medications or others, the uh, public health impact has been twofold. First, in the short term, people um, are sicker, and in some cases um, they're they're dying more often as a result. And secondly, that uh, if these movements ever get control of the process of deciding what we take and when, We're going to be worse off for it. We're already seeing the effects in reduced innovation at the FDA.
1: Yeah, no, not everybody in the book is a bad guy, although you do talk about some some bad folks, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about the things they do. But uh, you also have some good guys in the book. And one guy whom I just happened to meet, actually, was Paul Offit, who uh, is is, is an expert in vaccines at at, um, the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia. Um, and he's suffered uh, more than his share of slings and arrows in his efforts to promote safe vaccines that uh, really are uh, hugely important in terms of saving and extending lives yeah. from diseases that were once massive killers and very dangerous.
0: Paul plugged my – I have a blurb on uh, the back of Paul's book, and he has one on the back of mine. We, Yeah, backscratching, backscratching. there. Right. <laughs> I know, conflict of interest. So obviously neither book can be considered reliable. <laughs> The uh, you know Paul yeah Paul's, uh, Paul kidding, is course. a um, is a real hero and a real courageous uh, individual who as you, you alluded to you know he's he's had death threats on him and his family um, so uh, because he has said what should be really you know un, uh, unremarkable that is vaccines are highly safe highly effective and have been instrumental in reducing the um, uh, you know the the risk and in, of uh, infectious disease around the world, but uh he was also a victim of what I call tabloid medicine, and that is uh somebody you know, a group of people uh, latching on to a uh, a cause and effect that based, based in this particular case vaccines causing autism uh and Using circumstantial evidence and dramatic uh, instances and celebrities to build a case um, that there was this connection. That secondly, anybody who argued against the connection based upon science was part of a conspiracy to uh, either enrich themselves or enrich the the, the drug companies. Uh, so you had a, you had a, a um, you know, we, we are at a point in time, Tebby, where uh, Jenny McCarthy. Uh, you know, who had her claim to fame as a playboy model uh, was considered. Well, oh, you know what? You're right. I'm on TV that, that's, <laughs> uh, that's almost like getting, that is like getting the Nobel prize. So that's the, uh, absolutely. So the, the, what am I saying? So she was getting more uh, coverage and more uh, favorable coverage than Paul Offit. And uh, there's other, the, another part of the book. And, and Paul's a hero because he he plugged away. Uh, The media were not heroes. The media played into this narrative. They gave her and the possible link of vaccines and autism equal coverage, equal plausibility. And in the minds of uh, many people, that um, that causality weighed with them as they went into the doctor's office. So as a result, uh, and I just looked at the latest CDC report about immunization rates. I mean, it's striking that – Immunization rates in 2008 were uh, around 80%. They dropped about 7% uh, among children from one year to the next, um, and they're much lower than they were uh, before the Andrew Wakefield's um, allegations about vaccines causing autism started. So we he has done – here's the irony, Tavia, that is, uh, as we all know, uh, the way that – The media portrays it. uh, You can't trust doctors or researchers who do research for drug companies or medical companies because they obviously have a vested interest in seeing uh, uh, those uh, drugs succeed and they'll do anything to hide danger that isn't. uh, Andrew Wakefield, who can you you explain who
1: Andrew Wakefield is? Andrew Wakefield was a
0: gastroenterologist in Britain who interviewed 12 kids uh, who had autism and asked their parents, "Gee, did they take the measles vaccine or the MMR or the measles mumps and rubella vaccine uh around the same time they had autism?" He said they all said yes. That made that um that observation made it into the uh the Lancet for some for some
1: reason. The big which medical, is a big uh, magazine in, in Britain, the, the equivalent yeah, of the yeah, New England exactly. Journal of Medicine here. Right?
0: Uh, and uh, L- uh, Wakefield and his colleagues took it a step further. They held a press conference after the publication of The Lancet saying, uh, essentially, that I wouldn't take the MMR vaccine if I were you, uh, if you wanted to reduce the risk of autism. I would break it up. And from there, um, immunization rates dropped in England. That Those allegations spread to, um, you know, uh, spread to America, of course, and around the world. Uh, And we spent a decade fighting over the issue of whether vaccines cause autism. Uh,
1: Now, can you explain why the dropping of immunization rates is is such a problem and not just for the individuals who don't get immunized, but for herd immunity and for um, immunization compromised? Sure, you know, uh,
0: one of the reasons that Wakefield was so successful is that in the absence of any i you know I'm old enough uh, to remember getting the polio vaccine and having my parents being worried about getting overheated because I might get polio, but I think that was uh in fact my mother still says that today, but
1: that's because i think that the what they exactly it
0: so uh, trust trust me, old you know tale. the uh, uh, so we live in a time when vaccines have eradicated a lot of these diseases, and the absence. What I say in the book also is that uh, the way that we frame risk as individuals, and not just individuals, but as as a, uh, as, a as a culture, um, is initially by um, you know uh, taking the absence of anything bad as the state of nature, and therefore anything that happens that bad is a corruption of that state of nature. What um and the, the reason that uh herd immunity, the reason that people were able to get away with making those, these outrageous claims, is that uh, we were so well protected. But once you start uh herd immunity, is like a um, it's probably not a good term. It's it's sort of like fa- uh, the the fabric of immunity because once you start pulling at the at one strand, it starts undoing. And and what happens, for instance, in the case of Marin County, is that Kids who are not uh, younger, uh, older kids who are not immunized for whooping cough or measles will give it to their infant uh, siblings. Uh, people will get on planes and fly from uh, Switzerland to the United Kingdom to the U.S., I mean, to, to Baltimore, to Albuquerque and infect people uh, without them knowing it.
1: And this happened with measles. With yes, yeah, what happened uh, just America,
0: recently, it happened a few years ago as well. So, uh, you know, especially in an era when the world is smaller, uh, not immunizing uh, even a handful of people can go- cause a spike in disease and outbreak, which, of course, is what's happened over the last few years. We've had outbreaks of measles, outbreaks of meningitis, outbreaks of whooping cough uh, that uh apart from the co- the economic cost you know have uh, horribly scarred uh, scarred children so the other part of right.
1: and these were diseases yeah. that were largely yeah. eradicated yeah. I mean, we should measles science. should
0: be eradicated polio we're trying to eradicate polio but if we don't immunize for polio and one person from india comes over here and uh go who has not with a disease and it's uh it's still there is a significant incidence in India, then uh, a lot of other people are going to be uh, affected,
1: particularly those who have not yet been immunized. Yeah, you you have another chapter, which is really interesting, uh, called Web of Fear, where you talk about how scare tactics work really well on the Correct. Internet and in the current environment. I mean, you know, the um the internet has a lot of, like well, the internet is a tool right I'm, yeah I, I'm neutral on the internet right it you know if yeah. used for good I'm for it and if used for bad i'm I'm against it. Can you talk a little bit about your views of the internet and how to what what the problem is and how sure. well how you know it my uh,
0: my views of the internet are a little bit skewed um because I've done online dating and you know that would maybe you can hunt me back when I write my book regarding that uh particular that's subject. a real web of fear uh, you know, of course, on the other hand, it's made uh, fantasy uh, baseball much more efficient. And I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but the, it
1: has. Well, actually, yeah. it has. I mean, they're, they're a huge tool. Sure. I mean, people know a lot more about yeah. baseball or whatever subject yeah. they want to know via the Internet. On the other hand, sometimes people who have false information Well, that's exactly spread it right,
0: and we are uh, more uh, inclined to seize on the vivid, um, dramatic risk quicker than we are to uh digest a you know cause and effect that's established in, in, in science so the the idea that um uh, you know for example um you know in in popular culture i mean the whole um, you know, look at charlie sheen's a great example i mean charlie sheen went viral <laughs> almost literally um because of the internet and uh who would have uh you know it it dominated all the searches so because we're that's part of you know who we are on the uh, when it comes to science it's very uh, it what used to be back in the uh you know the pre-internet days if you wanted to organize a movement uh say the environmental movement you had to rely upon you know the copy machine phones um going door to door Uh, the transaction costs were were pretty high to sort of maintain support in in your base. The Internet makes it much easier and much cheaper and faster to um, push a particular view, not only for the immediate purposes of keeping the lights on, but in defining the the conflict itself. So um, as I write in the book, you know, Steve Nissen, who um, is a uh, physician at the Cleveland Clinic, a cardiologist, uh, did a study, again, this is, this, uh, you see the part of the pattern, did a study which showed that a drug for diabetes, oral drug for diabetes called Avandia, uh, had, was 42% more likely to cause, um, heart attacks than, uh, uh, uh other medications. And he le- that went online, uh, went online to the New England Journal of Medicine and it spread very quickly. Uh, thereafter of course in, uh, nissen using the these tactics that de- that wakefield initially
1: adopted uh, so when you, so you say study, really study here do you mean study No, this the other thing, out, is that, it? it's not
0: really a study it's it's data mining i mean it, it, it's all part of a uh, a pattern of how you use hijack medical science uh nissen did not do a controlled perspective study of how people fared on Avandia versus other drugs, the government did. Uh, uh, the government did uh, two studies and found that um, Avandia controlled um, uh, insulin levels, and uh, as well as other drugs, and uh, didn't have a, a, any higher cardiac risks than other problems. But what uh, what Nissen did is he figured out what. Um, Trials he should look at to, that would demonstrate the highest risk of the drug. And, you know, you can do that. Um, th- th- that's, that's a legitimate thing to do if you're looking to generate hypotheses for further study. But what he was doing was generating this information to promote himself and, and headlines. And by the time um, that spread around, the, uh, the FDA had another Viox on its hands. Uh, and it became very difficult to keep that medication on, on the market.
1: So, has Nissen suffered in any way from promoting Not. that kind of uh, data mining study and, and, and harming no, the no. people No, I who mean, need uh, the
0: uh, by the, uh, well, it, uh, as, as an aside, you know, I think he had ambitions of, um, uh, becoming the FDA or you know, running the FDA from his home office or something, but it never, uh, I, I think, uh, you you can't be toxic and be a government uh, government official as uh, as you as you know uh you have to have a little bit of um sechel which is french for you know common sense uh but he has not suffered at all uh he in fact uh, his own conflicts of interest uh which he alleged um uh, were part of the reason that Evandia uh, was uh, widely marketed, despite the alleged dangers, were never um, were never addressed. Uh, he has gone on uh, and, and went on to say things that ADHD drugs cause cardiovascular problems. The the media never challenges the science, and they turn they'll turn to Nissen and go, "Well, he said this," and then they'll turn to someone else and say, "Well, it's, so it's a he said, she said." Science is not like that. So he is not.
1: Yeah, there's good science science and
0: bad science. science, As I point out in the book, there's there's what is um, beneficial relative to the to the risk for you, Uh, and he never made that uh, made that distinction. Um, Continues to dramatize dangers of medications at the expense of saying
1: you know uh, what only science could allow. You have a, a, a chapter on this subject uh, on the other side, which yes. is called the Assault on Scientists, where you make the interesting case that um, that I hadn't really thought of, that there's an explicit goal on the side of the anti-science forces, which is to take real sure. experts off the table and to prevent them from participating in FDA uh, working groups or, or FDA panels. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, sure. well, uh, assault it, it's sort of... Uh, it,
0: it, 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 look... Um, if you don't want to engage if you're an ideologue or you're uh and a and a cultural bias is also an ideological bias uh if if you believe that anyone that um, works speaks for or um, uh, endorses uh, pr- uh, products from the pharmaceutical industry in particular uh you are um, illegitimate and the way that you Silence people is by uh, it's, or and, and own the space entirely is by saying, "Oh, they're conflicted, therefore what they say um, has no merit. We can't trust them, which is so absurd, uh, as I think I point out in the book, if that was the case, then uh, everything we know about uh, germ theory uh, from uh, Robert Cook and Louis Pasteur. Would be uh, illegitimate because Pasteur received funding from the beer and wine industry for his um, fermentation experiments, which were essential to his development of the theory. And
1: obviously, uh,
0: Pasteur was a crook, right? You know, we can't trust.
1: Are you telling me that Louis Pasteur took money from industry? Uh, does that mean uh, I shouldn't have pasteurized uh, well, milk no, anymore for my but, children?
0: Uh, don't that have whole milk? Absolutely. <laughs> and Pasteur, by uh, by the way himself was had his own beer and wine company, which was even uh, more horrific yes well outrageous and then, outrageous uh, and, and so that's the the level to which the discussion goes to uh and as a result you, you don't um, it's you know it's a, it's a, it's a the best straw man out there on the other as I point out though that uh we should look at the results of the different approaches or the different um, uh, conclusions or recommendations of the uh, quote-unquote conflicted experts as opposed to those that are um, raising the accusation. And here again, I point out that uh, those individuals, I, I didn't put this out in the book, but uh, Public Citizen, for instance, has a book called Worst Pills, Best Pills, uh, which, uh, Turns out, and they have a website for it as well. They, I mean, they generate millions of dollars a year from um, uh, coming up with updates about what drugs not to take. And if you go back to several editions of Worst Pills, Best Pills, you know what you find? You find that every diabetes drug, except for insulin, <laughs> was considered a do not use drug by by the by Public Citizen. Uh, What's, what's well, the financial I mean, there, there is a, a the financial these? incentive for them Is if they sell books and they sell subscriptions to their magazines. But, uh, you know, if they, they uh, do well by, um, you know, they profit by promoting their agenda. And they take it a step further by saying that anyone that disagrees with us is obviously um, uh, illegitimate because they've done work for,
1: uh, for industry. Right, I think that's getting to the point we were talking about earlier. This right. goal to take experts off the table. Why does public citizen or um, Center for Science and Public Interest or those type of groups? Why do they want to? Well, take they want to take off, the, off table the, table the
0: table so that they can control the the, the debates or the definition of what is safe and what's not safe, and that allows them to control um, the amount of innovation um, that is uh, produced and how much, how often we consume it. Which is their uh, goal? I mean, they have a cultural bias against uh, medical innovation.
1: Uh, K- could we talk a little yeah. bit more about this innovation question? I mean, what's happening with innovation in the life sciences field in, in America, and what is the impact of your notion of tabloid medicine on that innovation? Uh,
0: well, the the, the um, impact is very con- you know concrete uh, in a negative sense. In a negative sense. Uh, I look on the. Uh, you know, stepping back a bit, it's uh, the the effort to come up with better medications or devices for more cr- complex and chronic diseases is is hard. It's a difficult um, uh, and, and risky undertaking. But it's been made more so by the fact that um, uh, the Department of Justice now uses conflict of interest um, uh, to extract about $4 billion dollars from drug companies uh, the 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 size of settlements you know have been in the billions uh, how well, do they do this extraction uh, you can um you know the they will take um any statement that is uh, I'll give you the uh, the example of um, um you know botox you know, Botox was approved by the FDA for use, um, and Botox is a poison. It, it it kills the nerves, but in in the uh, controlled, um, you know, in, in the controlled formulation, it uh, allo- it would allow uh, kids with cerebral palsy to stop having spasms, allow them uh, to eat. So, um, but there was another um, interesting off-label use for Botox. It reduced wrinkles, um, and you know the, it, it made a small fortune for the, for the company, which they in that you know reinvested and so on. But especially in Beverly, especially Hills, in Beverly and, Hills and Boca Raton. But um, the, uh, what what happened with the so with, the, with respect to to Botox, trial attorney said, uh oh, these off label uses are um, illegal because you're making claims that aren't on that the FDA uh, said, and you can't market, uh, you you can't talk about it. You can't, uh, the doctors, companies can't talk about the doctors, and doctors uh, are uh, using it in ways that are probably uh, criminal. I mean, that was the, you know, that's at least the the essence of the suits. The Department of Justice has used used that model uh, to go after other uh, companies with respect to their marketing practices.
1: And I'm sorry, I I, I suppose you should just step back for one second, explain that off-label uses, while they sound nefarious, are used by doctors all the time based on their experience and scientific knowledge. Off-label uses are innovative
0: uses in the sense that it'll be approved for um, Pax, Zoloft or or, uh, Prozac was uh, initially approved for uh, moderate depression, but doctors saw, through uh, their own clinical, you know, through clinical observation, that and through uh, additional research about the uh, molecular basis of these illnesses, that it could affect um, other parts of the brain or other receptors that affected other diseases like anxiety or eating disorders in a, a beneficial way. Um, if we had to wait for the FDA to approve every new use. The amount uh, a lot of people would be suffering, including uh, children with cancer. Most cancer drugs for children are used in an off-quote-unquote-off-label fashion, and uh, what what has happened is that the conflict of interest in tabloid medicine people have, like you said, equated off-label with dangerous, and that also has had a huge impact on. The um, uh, on the health of many you know many groups in, in, in America, and that's also raised the bar for uh, for innovation. It takes a lot longer to um, uh, to get a drug through the FDA because they want more studies.
1: How long, on average, does it take to get a drug through uh, the FDA
0: from the time that you? Uh, it can take up to uh, ten to fifteen years, depending upon. Uh, the the amount of people that you have in the study and the kind of disease that you're um, th- that, that you're targeting, but what's uh, and is uh, the other problem is that 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 amount of time has not gone down. The number of new medications hitting the market has declined since uh, 2008, and that's, we are really hitting a you know a um, you know we're in a crux now where it's it's not the science that's limiting us. It's tabloid medicine that is defining what is a safe and um, what is you know, what is the risk benefit for each for each medication. Yeah,
1: you know, I can't help but notice that 2008 was a presidential election year. There was a transition between 2008 and 2009 to a new administration. Are you saying that there's a correlation between the switch in administrations and um, or do you see a correlation in the switching in administrations and this reduction in the... Uh, what I medicines? see
0: is a... Um, uh, the, the pendulum started swinging uh, in the wake of Viox and the allegations that um, antidepressants, um, a form of antidepressants called SSRIs, which are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Now, those are the things in your brain that you regulate to... Um, uh, hopefully, uh, address the issues of depression or anxiety. Uh, the the FDA the the bureaucrats became much more cautious. Um, at a time, ironically, when um, FDA Commissioner uh, Mark McClellan and Jenna Woodcock were developing something called the Critical Path, which basically said, "Look, let's take the science." that's allowing us to individualize um, the development of drugs and targeting of specific paths uh, or mechanisms for disease, and let's apply it to how we uh, evaluate drugs so that we can uh, reduce the number of people in clinical trials, uh, get things out quicker, and then find out how they work in the real world. A lot of that was put on hold because of the overreaction to the to the Viox and the SSRI um, situation and, and also in two thousand eight we had the Avandia uh, issue and I think the with the new administration uh, I think there was a, an increasing bias towards risk aversion and um, it's not just confined to the FDA but to other agencies as well so that um, you know we now are in a situation where Medications that would other that have safer profiles than say aspirin or um, uh, other other kind of medications are being set aside because we want more data.
1: Now you talk in your book about this antidepressant issue, but you talk about it in the context of suicide. So this notion of tabloid medicine scaring people off antidepressants, you say, has a link to more suicides. Is that how it works? Can you explain Uh, that? Let me
0: give you a broader context. Again, going back to the the two studies that uh, CDC came out, uh, life expectancy and death rates for all major diseases declined between 2008 and 2009, except in one category, teen suicide. The rate of teen suicide went up and the number of teen suicides went up. Now, if you can go to the CDC and you can see they now have very pretty detailed data about what types of medications were used and at what rate. And again, um, across the board, uh, medications for heart disease, cancer, uh, respiratory issues uses went up. It declined in depression. So that correlation is uh, is pretty strong and it has been sustained since the um, since the claims that SSRIs cause suicide were spread. And by the way, you know, it's not suicide. It was suicidality, which is a very, uh, very vague term to characterize, um, outbursts of people that are, uh, depressed in clinical trials. And even the, um, in, in the, the, the media initially really made the distinction between suicide and suicidality. Headlines were, SSRI is linked to suicide. Um, and what's happened is, ironically, yes, it has. The, the, the decline in, in the use of, of uh, medications has led to an increase in, in suicide, so that it is now the 10th leading cause of death in the United States.
1: And it's not just a problem with teens. I mean, it's a oh, yes. with the U.S. military yeah. as well. Uh, uh, a,
0: a huge problem, um, which I didn't go into the book, but you, you pointed out that in, in, indeed the uh, utilization of, uh, of these medications in treating people coming back from combat is, is essential, but they're they're being um, uh, they're being uh, mis uh, mis-prescribed and, and, uh, and un- underused
1: as a result of this. Scary stuff. Well, Bob, we're about at the end of our time, but I have a signature question that I like to ask at the end of each one of these new books and public policy podcasts, which is, if you were czar for a day, what would you do? What policies would you initiate that you've learned uh, about or come up with as a result of writing your book? Uh,
0: I I think I would make a policy that uh, scientists would have to be much more out in front in discussing the, um, the the risks and benefits of things more clearly and, and do it and do it in a way that is not politically pressured. It's not a grand gesture, but I'm a limited government kind of guy. Um, there's a and I think uh, that I would have government agencies uh, and the Congress hold oversight hearings on the unregulated um, speech. That is being passed along in the form of tabloid medicine. Uh, People can cry, can say anything they want, um, and get picked up, but no one ever tends to uh, challenge them. And uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mandate it, of course, but I I think we need to have more, um, more engagement with these forces. Otherwise, they're going to uh, continue to redefine things in ways that scare us to death. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Fortunately, uh, you don't need to be czar for a day to do some of those things. I know that uh, you had a book event where you released your book um, on Capitol Hill, so you must have some ties with the majority in in Congress, and you can recommend a hearing uh, where we look at those questions of risks and benefits and explain the notion of how Americans tend to overstate the risks of various um, medications but they, now, as, as a matter of fact the uh,
0: just uh, you know several years ago, i mean, after Three Mile Island, we did just that we uh the 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 president of the United States at the time um, you know commissioned a panel that was it a guy named Jimmy Carter at the time? I think it may have been um i I tend to forget those those days, but the uh but did where Josh Letterberg and many other people looked at how are we communicating risk as a society and as a government, and came to the conclusion that um, the uh, the overstatement of risk had very serious policy um, and economic consequences, and I think maybe it's time to re, you know, to reestablish that sort of panel i wouldn 't have the IOM do it because I think they're too political Institute of Medicine.
1: Institute of Medicine. Right. Um,
0: uh, I uh, would probably have an independent um, commission, maybe even a presidential commission, uh, look at it, or a congressional commission look at it so that we get a full airing of the people that have been silenced for so long.
1: Uh, well, I think you've raised some really interesting points. It is an excellent book. It is called Tabloid Medicine, How the Internet is Being Used to Hijack Medical Science for Fear and Profit. The author is expert, Ph.D., all-around smart guy and fun guy, Bob Goldberg, Robert Goldberg, Ph.D., and I urge all of you to go out and, and get it. Thanks, Daddy. Thank you for joining us, Bob. We just had a fascinating conversation with my friend Bob Goldberg, the author of Tabloid Medicine. Look for more podcasts on new books in public policy in the weeks ahead. Thank you.